What would happen if we give everyone an invitation to the table, believing everybody has something to bring and every generation some wisdom to share? What would happen if the passionate people of God became known for building bridges, making connections where there were once divides? What would happen if the love of God sparks a movement, transforming our own lives, our relationships, our communities? Let's find out together. Welcome to Bridged, a podcast about connection. Hey everyone, welcome to the Bridge Podcast. I'm Stacy Martin and I'm glad you're here. As you can tell, this is the COVID-19 version of the Bridge Podcast. I am sitting here in my closet. I am joined by my guest, Mike Atkins, who is in his living room. Yes. Uh, today is the first day of the governor's stay-at-home issue for North Carolina. And so this makes everyone's lives look different. Whether you work from home, you are working at home now, trying to homeschool kids, you will probably hear my kids somewhere running around downstairs um, as their dad balances work and snack time and homeschooling and all the things. So hopefully they won't find a way to dig through the wall, the drywall and get to me in here. But it's a different time. But Mike, I'm so glad you're here. Mike is our worship leader at our South Park campus. And Mike is so much more than a worship leader. And I'm not trying to diminish being a worship leader, but I want to describe Mike to you because Mike is one of these people that you can't help but love. Not only is he a worship leader, but he has a long background in ministry and professional ministry, a long, uh, a deep history, a deep background of training. He uh, walks with a lot of people through a lot of things. He leads us well from the stage pastorally, and he's just a good person. And so I'm really excited to talk to him about this past weekend's message in our series Trade Up, because I think it's got, well, I just appreciate your perspective on these things. Thanks. I, I really appreciate all that. I'm a words of affirmation guy, so that means a whole lot. <laughs> oh, good. Well, he's married to Sarah, who is also a worship leader. Uh, she helps lead at our Waxhaw campus, and mm-hmm. they've got a sweet little puppy baby. That's who is right over there. She might try to dig through something to get over here, too. <laughs> well, I think we can allow we can allow puppies. You'll be the first Bridge podcast where there has been a canine involved. So. <laughs> sure, I'm sure. I also wanted to shout out, like, this is this is my closet, too. So we're both in our closets. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Fancy. <laughs> <is my> <laughs> I was going to say, they are, well, you are a worship leader. You do have quite the worship, the wardrobe. So it wouldn't, it would not surprise me if you had some sort of walk-in module system. It would be for Sarah, though. It would be for Sarah. <laughs> well, you both look good. Well, I'm excited that you're joining us today because we were in our, we were in another week of our series called Trade Up, which is about the book of Mark. And I think some people were wondering maybe why we hadn't shifted topics and tried to do something more about, let's say, anxiety or fear. But we decided it was really important to stick with walking through the book of Mark because of how relevant scripture really, I mean, we truly believe that scripture is relevant for all times all place. Um, How has scripture remained relevant to you in this season or in any season where you've experienced hardship? Man, uh, I mean, scripture is, for me, is the anchor, right? It's the tether. I mean, God, God ultimately is, but we do believe that it's the living word of God and it's an extension of who God is. Um, And so for me, it is an extension Uh, Like I said, I'm a words of affirmation person. So just knowing that I'm on the right track, that I'm um, not by myself, that I am in this with God and with others, um, scripture is that anchor point for me. Um, 
so yeah, I, I'm actually really excited that we didn't switch topics. Um, not to say that those churches that did were wrong in any way, shape, or form. I think I think you follow the Lord's leading in that. But I'm excited that we are still continuing to look at a story and a an account of Jesus's life, even though we're going through this. I mean, I think that's I think that's healthy. I think that's looking at the scriptures the way they're intended to be looked at, rather than you know picking and choosing. Um, different passages to kind of fit our needs. You know, we're, we're submitting ourselves to the Bible, um, which is really important to me, but yeah. That's good. I had a spooky Jesus thing happen to me when this whole thing first started. So probably back like first or second week of March when we were like the first week of lockdown. And so I'm going to read, I had just finished going through the book of Luke and I was like, gosh, what, what book, what book should I read? God, what, you know, what book would you have me read here? In, you know, in the Bible. Yeah. And I felt like he told me Philippians and I was like, I don't really want to do Philippians. It's got four chapters. I'm going to be done in like four days. I feel like I've done it. It's like quotable, quotable. I don't really want to do it, but I'm like, okay, God, I'll do Philippians. So, you know, in most Bibles in the beginning of the chapter, they have like a description of the book, when it was written, who wrote it, what's happening. And it's like, Paul is under house arrest. And I was like, oh, oh there God. it is. You're so funny. You are so creative. And this is so relevant here. I yep. literally feel like I am in house arrest. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we all feel like we're under house arrest. And here you lead me to a letter from the apostle Paul, who is literally in chains under house arrest yep. and can't go anywhere is stuck. And yet the work goes on. So yep. I thought, that's awesome. I was like, okay, God, I, I, I see you. I see. You. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, the cool thing about the book of Mark is that you really are getting a good, a big glimpse of who Jesus is. Um, you know, this is, this is a firsthand account. Um, of somebody told this story to Mark and Mark is writing it down about what it was like to, to be with Jesus and it's action packed. It moves really fast. It used big, uses big words. And I love it because it actually makes us feel like we are in relationship with Jesus. Yeah. You know, yeah. What, what do you think your life would have been like without a relationship with Jesus? Uh, <laughs> that's a big one. Um, you said it earlier. I, I have like just this extensive life with Christ. My father's a pastor. Um, my, my mother's dad, my grandfather on my mom's side was a pastor. My uncle is a pastor. Um, I'm kind of in the family business, so to speak. Um, I was in a Christian rock band for like 14 years traveling all over the place. Like there's just, I've done a lot of the Christian life of a, a lot of that. Um, and at the same time, you're not perfect. You know, you're being a Christian does not make you perfect. You know, it gives you righteousness. Um, you know, Christ Jesus, all of that stuff. Right. <laughs> so all of that theology, but at the same time, you know, I, I'm, we're not perfect. And so the tendencies that I often see within my life um, are really just a lot of, of selfishness. Um, and I think I would have a lot of floating. Um, and what I mean by that is just like, you know, I genetically deal with um, depression and anxiety from my mom's side of the family. Um, and I've shared that in a lot of different platforms, but um, my dad's side of the family, they're super addicted. Um, so in and out of prison, drugs, alcohol, um, sex, everything. They are very addictive. Um, and so I just see those two things making a, a, a recipe for disaster in my life. Like a lot of floating between trying to be validated 
and feeling hopeless and looking for acceptance and you know just trying things i'm not afraid to to make certain risks and if that was without the grounding of christ um or the tethered to christ those risks would probably be <laughs> not good whatsoever um so you know my life without christ would be would be one of a lot of empty searching and a lot of floating i think mm, i can totally relate to that. Cause I, I mean, I have not always walked with Jesus and I sure haven't been in a Christian rock band, although I have had big dreams of being in some sort of <laughs> rock band, Christian or not at different seasons. But yeah, I can, I mean, the idea of trying to, well, for me, looking for love in all the wrong places, you know, when yeah, sure. I could focus my eyes on who God is and who Jesus is, gosh, all that searching, you yeah. know, it just would have stopped. It yeah. would have stopped. Well, and that's part of why we called this series Trading Up is because we believe that we can trade up to something better. We believe that when you are connected to the dynamic life of Christ, you are literally trading in the old junk for something better of what God promises. And the first step, yeah. which is really why we're in Mark, is this idea of if we can keep our eyes focused on the, the characteristics of God and the person of Jesus, that's the first step in trading up, you know? So what, what characteristic of God is really speaking to you right now? Man. Um, so, so for the past 14 months, like my wife and I have um, felt like, you know, there's, there's this great joy, right? There's this, the life with Christ and, and hope, you know, I love that we're, you just said, you know, the first step is, is understanding who Jesus is because he says that he himself is the life. So to trade up to dynamic life, you've, you've got to have Jesus in that if he is the life, right? Um, and so for us, we've been trying to, we're trying to like reconcile what we've been going through with that, like what dynamic life is. Um, for the past 14 months, you know, we've, we, and you know this, um, just being a friend, like right down the hall from my office, you know, um, we, we've suffered two miscarriages. I lost my grandfather, who was like the patriarch of our family. Um, our church went through a whole lot of stuff. Um, not to mention all the day-to-day -day things that Sarah and I just have gone through, you know? Um, and so it has felt like this whole big season of loss. Um, and you're trying to, you know, like I said, like my tendency is to be selfish or to kind of float and try to find things that will make me feel satisfied or whole or, um, you know, resolve the anxiety in me. And, you know, a lot of those things that I've looked to have been, kind of a flash in the pan, you know, that make you feel good for a second. Um, even passages of scripture, if I'm being honest, I'll, I'll go and pick and choose scripture to make me feel better. But then I'm, you know, it, it, there is an eternal weight to it, but I'm still not really listening to what the Lord is saying. And, you know, I'm just trying to use him to make myself feel better. And I say all that to answer your question, to say the characteristics of God um, that have been the most prominent in my life, especially over the last 14 months, um, have been his faithfulness and his kindness. Um, he is faithful, right? And it's hard to see that, uh, you know, COVID-19, house arrest, you know, feeling like you're going to go stir crazy. Those things are very real. Um, and in the moment, I think it's difficult to see God's faithfulness. But what we can do and what I've, you know, been trying to learn is I can project God's faithfulness based off of this 
equity, this bank that he's already proven, you know? Um, and so in, you know, in my life, he's never not been faithful in the moment. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm struggling with believing that, but I love that the first part of that word is faith. I've got to have faith to recognize that God is being faithful right now. Um, and so that just keeps coming up. And then, and then his kindness, I actually, um, so I write, um, that's, that's usually my way of processing. Um, I'm a verbal processor. I told Stace that before, before we started, I was like, I wrote down some of my answers just to kind of have, you know, some kind of anchor with what I'm saying. I'd be but, like, so wrap, I, it up. <laughs> wrap it up, brother. Um, but I, I, I write. And so one of the things that kind of came out the other day, um, as I was writing was, um, you know, it's kind of just, you know, your heart to paper, you're not really even thinking, you know, you're just kind of putting it down. And, and I said, your, your kindness, God is a bitter pill. Like it, it hurts. This medicine hurts and it, and it is not good. It's like a surgery and yet I'm being made well. Um, and so God's faithfulness and his kindness, I'm trying to re I'm trying to relearn what faithfulness and kindness actually are, as opposed to what I've always thought, you know, if God's kind, then I'll feel good. That's not exactly what kindness is. Um, it's so interesting you say that because this morning I was reading in Colossians and, um, and there was the part that I was reading and was talking about how we've been circumcised and mm -hmm. how we've been circ circumcised through faith. Well, that word circumcised is like, and if you're a parent and you've got kids listening, you're probably like, eh, but I'm not going to go there. Like, so just, <laughs> right. but you know, if you think about the actual procedure, it's painful. It's, yeah cutting away. I mean, I've got two sons, so they went through it after birth. It's cutting away something that's not necessary really. Right. Um, and if you think about it, it's painful and there's healing. And so if God says that through Jesus Christ, we have been circumcised, then there is something about that, that, that bitter medicine, like through this, it might hurt me, yeah. me recognizing what you did for me, me accepting it, me, um, absorbing it and getting to this place of where you want me it could be kind of painful, but it's, what a blessing it's going to be. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting you said that because I wrote that in my journal, like, gosh, circumcision by nature is painful. It's cutting away something with a scalpel. Yeah. You have to have um, time of healing with it. You know, I mean, to, to die with Christ. I mean, it's not just, you know, butterflies and rainbows, <laughs> you know, it's, death is real, like, like to die to my flesh and to live with Christ. So yeah, no, I love, I love that. I love that. Sometimes it takes pain, but um, yeah, his faithfulness is true and his kindness is ever present, you know? That's good. Well, this book of Mark, we see Jesus over and over again, be misunderstood by the religious leaders of the time. You know, as the farther Jesus gets into his ministry, which is interesting because he's only in his early thirties, you know, it's not like he's in his 50s, right. he's in his early 30s, and he is misunderstood again and again, and um, partly because the Pharisees are trying to catch him in something. You know, they, they want to, they want to get him caught up in some red tape that makes him look like a fool, you know, that proves that he isn't who he is supposed to be, he is, he isn't who he says he is, but what's so interesting is that I think Christianity in general gets misunderstood. I think faith gets misunderstood. How do you currently feel like, you know, yeah. it's not just something that happened in Bible times. Jesus and faith currently get misunderstood. What do you think that looks like now? 
Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not going to go like super political. Um, you know, I mean, we all have our, our thoughts on that, but like the term uh, evangelicals drives me crazy when it comes to politics because it's, it's lumping people together that, that don't necessarily need to be one, one unit, you know? Um, and all I mean by that is, is that you have, you have uh, a maturity that Paul talks about in, in faith, right? You, you're running a race and you have some people that are watching the race and you have some people that are in the race and yet we'll call them all evangelicals. Um, and so there's a misgiving there from just like a, a national perspective. Um, you know, I'm in seminary right now. And so I'm reading what the misgivings are about Christianity across the globe right now. And, you know, it, it's, it's frustrating because anytime you hear somebody say something that you, uh, you know, in a negative light of something that you kind of agree with or you subscribe to, you, you can't help but take it personally um, because you feel like that thing is an extension of who you are, right? With Christianity, it's even deeper than that because Christ is who I'm trying to become. I'm being transformed into the image of Christ by the renewal of my mind, you know, the, the work of the Holy Spirit. And so from, from the perspective of Christ being misunderstood, Christianity, you know, little Christians, disciples of Christ are naturally going to be um, misunderstood. But I think really our, our world, our society right now lives by the standard of tolerance. That's the law of the land. And so anything that draws a hard line in the sand naturally becomes demonized or, you know, like not looked at with a positive light. And when that happens, it's really easy for us to feel um, minimized or to feel uh, misunderstood. Um, and I think it's funny, you know, the early Christians, the Acts Church was called, they were known as the way, right? And that is that's a hard line in the sand, you know, to follow a man that said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the father, but through me, it's not a very tolerant um, perspective. And so I see that as the major thing. Christianity is not viewed as being tolerant. Um, and so it's demonized pretty quickly, you know? Well, that's so interesting. Cause even Jason said that the gospel can be seen in a couple different ways. You can look at the gospel and it can either be advice or news. It can be help or hope or burden or gift. And for those of us who have a relationship with Christ, we know that the gospel gives us rest and freedom. Whereas some people may look at the gospel and see like, gosh, I'm going to have to work harder. I'm going to have to, there are more rules. There are more things I've got to do. And we're like, yeah, actually that's the gospel gives you freedom. The gospel gives you rest. How does the gospel give you rest? Yeah, um, that point in particular, I actually wrote down uh, when he said it, because my, my initial reaction was, um, it's both. It's a burden and it's rest. Um, I mean, we just talked about how it can, it can be really difficult. Um, but what I'm realizing is it's usually a burden when I am not at rest. Mm. Um, when I'm trying to earn the gospel, whenever I'm trying to um, live up to the good news of Jesus. Um, but then he even went ahead, like, um, a few minutes later, Jason went on to say that we are actually not living this dynamic life to earn his freedom or to earn his favor, but to respond to his favor. 
And I was like, that's, that's it. That's where the gospel no longer becomes a burden for me, but it becomes, it becomes rest. It's not this bondage, but it's actually freedom. You know, I'm not bound to this list of rules. I'm, I'm bound. I've bound myself to, to someone who loved me first, you know? Um, and so, yeah, for me, it gives me rest, um, in the assurance of things. So faith is the assurance of things hoped for, but not seen. Um, so I can be assured of things that I don't necessarily experience right there in the moment. Um, so again, going back to God's faithfulness, right? Um, I'm experiencing the rest of God because I have faith that he is going to be faithful, that he is being faithful in this moment. So I have this assurance of something that I haven't seen yet that I'm hoping for. Um, so I naturally, I say naturally, I supernaturally have faith. I have rest through that faith. But I think um, we have a lot of freedom because we don't have to strive for God's, you know, grace and love and, and anything like that. He actually has already poured that out. The Bible says that he is um, immeasurably, you know, given that to us. And so in that case, we have freedom. I, I experience freedom right now because I'm not bound to having to be accepted by Jesus. I'm already accepted by him. That, if that makes sense. Yeah. What I love about this question and the way you answered it is that it's a question, you know, we, we renamed this podcast, the bridge podcast from digging deeper because we specifically wanted to take it into a direction where we start to think about how we make connections, how yeah. we build bridges to people, specifically people who are disconnected from, from God. And I think about all the time when someone says, well, what makes the way you live your life better than the way I live mine? Like what makes, like, what does the gospel do? What's the gospel going to do for me? That's going to make my life any better. I've got, I like my life. I mean, yeah, I've got my junk, but, and so to be able to say, do you want to know what real freedom feels like? What real rest feels like that only comes from the gospel. Like it's almost, you know, we talk about apologetics and a lot of times apologetics for anyone who's, who's wondering is, is like a defense of the faith. You know, if you were to go, tit for tat with somebody it's a defense of the faith but i have always found that the best apologetic is my own personal life story the yeah. best way for me to talk about what it feels like to have a relationship with jesus is not some theological or real heady answer it's like well let me tell you what my life was like before and now let me tell you what my life is like now and sure things are still hard but i have this hope i have this faith i have this peace this rest this freedom that didn't exist beforehand yeah. I mean, yeah, even the gospel of Mark, you said it earlier, is kind of being, it's an account being told to Mark by Peter. Uh, I mean, I think that's what, I think that's true. Uh, I don't want to misquote that, but if Peter is giving that account to Mark, there is that huge element of, this is who I was until I met this person. And this is who I am now. Like Mark gets to experience that firsthand, that apologetic firsthand. Um, and so our gospel reading is is two people being you know influenced by christ um so even that you know we we find that kind of freedom in that of being uh transformed you know well we can look at jesus's life as a model of our own um we can look at it and say that's how i want to live and his life was upside down it was inside out it was countercultural. it was just compared to what was happening in the day, it was, it was opposite day for Jesus all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, how can we live our lives now counterculturally? Um, I, I love that question. Um, but I really think it, it comes to an understanding of what upside down is, right? 
Um, that's the assumption that we are right side up and that Jesus oh. is upside down. Um, and the that's truth good. is, yeah, if, he, if he's the way, the truth, and the life, then that means he's the true definition of those things. And the rest of us are hanging upside down like bats. <laughs> exactly. We're all hanging upside down saying, oh, look at how weird that, that life is. You know? Now, I recognize Jesus' life. There are times where I'm reading it and I'm like, I can't do this. You know, like, what are you talking about? Forgive your enemies. What are you talking about? Turn the other cheek. Like, I'll turn my other cheek once I get, you know, get revenge. Once I've let yeah. the air out of his tires. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I don't um, speak from person, obviously. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's why you're in your closet. You are under house arrest. <laughs> my my <laughs> but, ankle bracelet beeps if I go too far. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I mean, I would say, I would say it first comes with an understanding that he, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so to live, to live like Christ is to, is to recalibrate, is to, um, is to learn and understand what, what the truth is and then be transformed to that truth rather than trying to constantly make Jesus fit into my everyday life. Um, it really begins with me submitting all things to Christ and allowing him to transform the way that I live. The only way to really live a dynamic life is to live a real life. And Jesus says that he is the real life. And so to live, you know, countercultural and, and uh, upside down and all those kind of things is really to live real life, um, to, to, to live it truly. Now, I mean, that sounds kind of heady or, or um, you know, intangible, but from a day-to-day standpoint, I think for me, that looks like praying and reading my Bible. Like <laughs> I, I laugh every time I say that because it's, it's almost like it gets the same uh, response as when you say, I love the scripture, John three sixteen. you know, everybody's like, Oh, that's, that's, that's not deep enough. Like whatever. That's one of the deepest passages of scripture that we have. And so like going back to the basics of reading my Bible and praying, that is how I am um, participating in dynamic life with Christ, because I am talking to him. And, you know, we believe that the Bible is the living word of God, that the word became flesh. So there's this, there's this tie of scripture and Jesus himself. There's this intertwining. And so if I'm spending time in that, and I'm spending time in the presence of God, um, that dynamic life starts to take root. So, so the way that I behave is out of a response of the transformation that's happening, out of a response of being in the presence of that one. Um, last night, I, I had the opportunity to um, do the message for advance. And so we were talking about fear, right? Which all of us, I think, are dealing with in, in some degree or another. And one of the things that, that God revealed to me to share with them was the presence of God takes precedent. So it sounds like a cool one-liner, but, but really, when we're in the presence of God, all the other things become minimized because he, he becomes maximized. I, I think of Isaiah 6, where Isaiah looked at the Lord and he said, woe is me. Woe is me in the presence of God. This transformation is happening. I'm, I feel like I'm coming apart at the seams, you know, and, and that's where the angel came down. And if you're familiar with the story, the angel came down and, and touched Isaiah's mouth with coals from the fire and he purified Isaiah so, so that Isaiah could be this mouthpiece to all of Israel, to 
all the nations surrounding Israel too. In our lives, like it takes that woe is me. It takes that I am standing before a holy God. I'm in the presence of God Almighty. And he is changing me to look more like him, to purify me. And so out of that, out of that is that response. How am I going to live my life when I've been in, you know, the, uh, the presence of God Almighty? That's, that's what starts to look upside down and starts to look countercultural because I am drawing a hard line in the sand and saying, this is who I'm going to be like. I'm going to let him transform who I am. And so the life that exudes from that, I think, is that dynamic life that is upside down, countercultural, backwards, all those things that we would describe it as. Well, when you can imagine that the presence of God would transform your mind over the reading of a headline or, or a news briefing about the coronavirus or a yeah. new stay-at-home order, or that, that the presence of God and the faith and joy and peace that that relationship gives you, I mean, that's countercultural. I mean, to live in a place, I think about this all the time, when I feel my carnal self want to panic, you know, we, we all have, our bodies are wired to respond to stress in a certain way. Increased breathing, yep. um, I mean, just the feeling in your chest, we release this hormone called cortisol, like all of that affects yep. our body. But if we can not let that be dictate the way we think, the way we respond, but yet let the peace of Christ do that, talk about upside down and I'm, and I don't do it well. I mean, this pandemic has released all kinds of hormones in my house, but, um, but if I could, but if you can, if I think about the times that I just feel like I can't take anymore and to take a breath and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. Like God, you are good. You are, I think about uh, Gentry Eddings when he and his wife went through that horrible hardship of losing their boys um, in the accident, uh, you know, a few years ago. One of the things Gentry said is it's not over until it's good because God is good. Like that's focusing yeah. on the character of God through something like this. And that's, that's upside down. You know, that's countercultural. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Mike, would you pray for us? Would you pray for our listeners who, um, as we leave today, who are feeling anxious, who are feeling fearful, and who um, are really wanting to start leaning into this person of God? Of course. And, and you know, if it's all right, I'm going to actually pray um, a scripture from Philippians that we would be like this. Um, it's funny that you said Philippians because that's where I've been. This is my scripture that I've been going back and forth to um, over and over. So, yeah, let's pray. Father, thank you for um, your love, first and foremost. Um, thank you for the way that you look after us. Your word says that um, if, if you can keep an eye on the sparrow or the lilies of the field, how much more will you, will you take care of your children? Um, and so, God, we are here, um, all of us, you know, in, in these stationary places, but you are still at work. You are still moving. You are still showing your kindness and your gentleness and your faithfulness. And so, God, I pray that as you transform us um, into your image, the power of your spirit, that, that we would exude those fruits of that spirit, those, the love, peace, patience, kindness, um, gentleness, self-control, goodness, um, but God, that we would exude those things because you did. Um, and so, Lord, I love this passage um, from Philippians that you, set, you tell us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonable, reasonableness, your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. You are at hand with us, God. You are, you are Emmanuel, God, with us. So do not be anxious. We don't have to be anxious about anything, 
but in everything we can pray to you through supplication, through our pleading with you, and with thanksgiving, we can let our requests be made known to you. And then your peace, which passes all of our understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in your Son, Christ Jesus. God, I pray that that is the truth for us, that we come to you with thanksgiving, that we come to you with, with a, a realization of who you are and who we are in light of that, and that the dynamic life of Christ is what exudes from, that, um, from those encounters with you. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, everything that you've done for us. And I pray especially that you would protect us um, from this virus. And God, that those that have already had it, that, that you would heal. Um, but God, we ultimately trust you. You are sovereign. You are above all things. And so we, we place our lives projecting faith that you are faithful right now. We love you. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much. And thanks for joining us, everybody. If you are looking for more resources to grow in your faith, to connect your family to the church or anything like curriculum for kids, devotions, uh, different programming like the Exploratorium and Art Studio that we do for our kids, go to foresthill.org and look for the connect with us. Um, that's a great button on the right hand side of the website that has life group resources, curriculum, Bible studies, prayer guides, resources for kids, all the things um, so that you can stay connected. And I actually share some resources to friends and neighbors who might need some hope and faith during this troubling time. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.